best signed males at birth. That's the new one. That's the new one. That's, All right. It's a little awkward. <laughs> but people have asked, do we, do, do we still say movie boys? And I thought, movie AMAPs. <laughs> it's not going to catch on. No, probably not. It's not going to catch on. It's basically worth opening a podcast with once for a joke and moving on. Certainly not dissecting it immediately after. No, no, we should not spend any time examining it. No. 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 Mm-mm. No. Too much of a mouthful. <laughs> but that's enough about me. <laughs> oh, God, I've slept for two days straight. Must be nice. Well, having experienced sleep, uninterrupted sleep, I've got to say I recommend it. The problem is, is I have to mentally and physically exhaust myself to the point where consciousness is genuinely unbearable. I've got hiccups. I've got those burpy hiccups. I don't want to do a massive burp, but they're, they're trying to happen because I've had some fizzy. I've had them Dr. Peppers, the zero sugars, like what you t- uh, told me about, because they taste the most like the original drink. Still not exact. Conrad, are you still telling that person on Twitter that they eat shit? I am. I am. Yeah. Right, listener. Conrad <laughs> somehow is the more distracted of us today. Yeah. I don't know, like, scientifically how that's possible, but Conrad has started telling someone on Twitter that they eat poo because they were saying that they don't get the problem with misgendering. So Conrad just started saying, well, what if I assumed from the look of you that you ate poo. And he, now they're trying to argue constantly back at him without, you know, uh, points, stupid points about nonsense. And then Conrad's just ignoring it to say, you know, do you get bits of poo stuck in your teeth and stuff like that. Welcome to the spin-off, Doctors, folks. There we go. It's, oh, have you crafted the masterpiece? Nah. No? Oh. Oh, my. Yes, they think I'm upset. <laughs> ah, of course. <laughs> that old get out. And they tried they tried to say I have a low IQ. <laughs> which I don't know what my IQ is, and I don't care because IQ tests are meaningless. Yeah, the intelligence quoter <laughs> is um the only IQ that matters is the PS1 game with the cubes that would give you your IQ when you died. And it would determine your IQ entirely by how many cubes you avoided. That game was great. Who remembers that? That was one of the ones everyone played back in the day because there was a demo of it. It was a platform that was a grid of cubes and you were a little bloke and you were running around on the platform and walls of blocks would like roll their way towards you. You'd avoid them. And I never got very far in it because I'm bad at games and I hate gamers. Yeah. And there was a T-Rex. Remember the tech demo T-Rex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the whale. Or was it a dolphin? I think it was a whale. They were just 3D models you could play around with just to show off the power of the PSX. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah, we watched a film called Mortal Kombat. We did. Mortal Kombat, the 2021. 2021, directed by a person. It's a film. It's a film. Here's the thing. It's film. It's got characters in it. They do fighting. One of the best things about Mortal Kombat, doing Mortal Kombat for this show, is when there's a big fight scene, really when you're like relaying the plot of a thing, the fights are just there. So Conrad will always say fighting happens unless something particularly interesting happens within the fight. Most of this film is fighting happens. Yeah. We're going to clock off early, which is good because I've got a call at 12. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Fuck my ass, is it fine? There are things I like. Yeah. I mean, it has a lot to live up to for Mortal Kombat. And they're trying something different. They're trying to ground it for reasons. Yeah. You see, this is this was a disappointment. With the trailers showed enough to make me think, oh, they're going to make like a Mortal Kombat film should be, like the first Mortal Kombat film was. They're just going to not give a fuck and go hell for leather and silly as hell. But it does, It is a, a dry film. It is a dry film. For the most part. It's dry. It's It's got two settings. It's got fighting happens, and it's decent fighting. Mm-hmm. And then it's talking happens. 
just standing around. And and the talking isn't for the most part that good. Mm-mm. Like the characters don't have much personality. Yeah, the characters don't have character except Kano. I like Kano, but the villains and the heroes are all just huh. They're all just stoic. Yeah. Kung Lao occasionally shows a little bit of, you know, mischievous charm. Kung Lao has a, um, yeah, there's a little snidey element to him Mm -hmm. that is kind of affable enough. Although maybe I'm just glomming onto any glimmer of of charisma. But yeah, for the most, like, like they've got Chang Sung and he's boring. They got Malena and she's boring. They've got um, Cabal. And he at least has a, a fun mask and a voice. He's at least putting on a, a voice. He's not just talking dryly. Plus, I like Cabal. I'm not a big Mortal Kombat player. Well, I'm not a fighting game player. But I like Cabal because mask and hooks, you know. Yeah. Kano's good in this. Kano's good. I will give Kano. Yeah. They, they managed to land Kano pretty well. They are pretty much the only character that is worth bringing up in this, um, which is a shame. And people might scoff at this because, you know, this modern film is better made and everything. Is it? Well, it's better made than the first Mortal Kombat film. Is it? Because there are, like, in certain ways I will agree with that. That's what I mean. Technically, like, on on a superficial level, it's a better made film. But... It does not hold a candle to the first Mortal Kombat film, which I still hold up as the best video game movie ever made. Well, I think it's worth bringing up because it is something that this show in particular does just gloss over. The fighting does happen. But the fight sequences in this Mortal Kombat versus the original Mortal Kombat are two very different things. They come from two very different schools of cinematography oh of course yeah and this feels like and i say this with no disrespect whatsoever the first feature film of someone who has primarily done advertising yeah which is true that is what it is yeah you know nothing lingers long enough on any shot in a fight sequence to give you a sense of perspective yeah to orient you in the fight, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of snapping the camera around very quickly. Yeah. And that's disappointing. And it's just, for me and my tastes and what I like, the first two Mortal Kombat films are tough acts to follow. Yeah. Because we have, in my opinion, the greatest video game movie ever made because it didn't give a fuck and it was truly in the spirit of the games, the first Mortal Kombat um, you know, Adventures on Man Island. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation is pound for pound, laugh for laugh, among and very near the top of my favorite shit films of all time. Yeah. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is gold. I had to immediately watch that after watching this. I can respect that. Absolutely, I can respect that. And it took me seconds to be like, yes, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. I want someone to scream Mortal Kombat and late 90s techno yeah. to blare for me. And I want my fight scenes to have way more flips than punches. Yes. I want enough flipping for Conrad to do a music video set to <laughs> jump, which if you've not seen it, it's on Conrad Zimmerman on YouTube. It, I still go back and watch it at times because it's so fucking good. They jump so much. So it's, much. It, it, it's just, yes, it's fun. You'd think it was indie wrestling. There's so many flippy dudes. This is not fun. No, that's the point. This isn't a fun film. And it's okay to enjoy that. It's got funny scenes with the one character. But yeah, it's dour. Yeah. And I suppose that puts it more in line with at least the early days of Mortal Kombat. I mean, even now, you know, in the last decade, it doesn't even seem like they're taking it all that seriously either. And that's good. I I think that's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, it's always been ridiculous. And what confuses me is the sudden gore in this film comes so out of nowhere. Mm. Almost like this concession to the to the series. Mm hmm. And then it's back to nothing really happening and it being what could easily have been a, a you know, rated T film. 
Rated T. Rated T. <laughs> I, I can't remember what movie ones are. It was PG-13. PG-13. Yeah. But yes, are. you're right. Otherwise, yeah. this is a PG-13 film. It's a PG-13 with like every, just a couple of seconds here and there of some like hard 18 plus rated stuff. Well, actually, if I'm honest, they show no breasts. No breasts are exposed for our pleasure. Not for our pleasure. And um, I don't think they say fuck. Probably don't, no. So they might be able to get a PG-13 for this in America. Is it a PG-13? They probably did rate it R because that violence is pretty violent, but... Yeah. Yeah, I cancelled my HBO Max because I thought, right, Mortal Kombat, time to watch it for the podcast. And all I'll say is... They didn't have it despite advertising it. They took it off just before I went on. And I'm like, what am I paying for? The only other thing I watch is the John Olivers. And I usually just give up setting up the fucking app because it's hassle. Because my TV don't have it. Well, you can see the main story of John Oliver on YouTube. Exactly. I just end up usually watching the main story on YouTube. So what am I paying for? Once I'm done watching the Attitude Era, I'm taking fucking Peacock off and all. I'm sorry, but like streaming services... The few that were there beat piracy on the service problem. Now I'm having to research where to get stuff. And even <laughs> then, you don't know how long they will stay on any given service. I'm sorry, but piracy's service is superior again. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You turn streaming into cable. Yep. I'm not paying for cable. Mm-mm. Anyway, I legally acquired more combat. <laughs> I need to watch it with Phoenix. What am I going to do? Take a phone and have it on video call in the cinema? Mm -hmm. They frown on that. They do not approve. They'd make me buy a ticket for the phone. I'm not buying a ticket for a phone, Conrad. This was rated R, just so you know. What was the point? Uh... <laughs> like, I, I, I like when films are rated R and they're not, like, taken away from the spirit of whatever just to get the kids in. Right. But what was the point for this one? They, they, the violence was so minimal. Like, if you're going to go R, like, do Mortal Kombat. I'm now looking at the IMDb page for it, and apparently, I didn't realize this, uh, so they have a parent's guide for films. They have parent's guides for all the films. It's a page oh. you can look at. That's nice. Yeah. And it lists the ratings for all of the, you know, international ratings bodies for films. And then categories, and these are user-submitted like information on the violence and gore and and the the profanity. Oh, it says many uses of uh, fuck motherfucker shit bitch wanker cunt goddamn. Oh, cunt does come up a lot. Uh, goddamn asshole hell ass damn shut up dick pussy cock balls bloody bastard and piss. Wait, shut up. Yeah, apparently some people find that to be a problem. I mean, I guess it's aggressive. It is a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember any of those swears. I yeah, I really don't either. I don't remember much of the dialogue <laughs> or the fighting. Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's do that. So we begin in 17th century Japan, which is exactly where I want all my Mortal Kombat movies Good place to, to start. <laughs> what I want is sort of a very quiet forest scene in the past. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is the Hanzo Hasashi compound, where Hanzo and his family are doing usual 17th century Japanese family shit. How many Hanzos do you think are in video games now? Oh. Loads. There must be as many Hanzos as there are Jakes. Yeah. It's it's the John of video games now. Mmm. Mmm. So uh, his wife sends him to fetch water while she digs up some bok choy with a kunai. I'd, I'd have used a trowel. Well, the kunai was, you know, a weapon derived... Historically from a trowel. She should have put a handle on it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you get a good trowel with a, a sort of curvature to it. I'm just, like, I'm not saying I would have invented the trowel if I was in the past. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe we are seeing the invention of the kunai here. Oh. You know, Hanzo Hasashi creates it. That's a thought. Baby starts crying inside the house and Hanzo's wife goes in to check on it. And finds that the inside of their home is unusually cold. I'd have turned up the thermostat. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying if I was in the past, I'd have invented the thermostat. I'm just saying I know what a thermostat is. Right, yeah. You'd have gotten, flip that switch, get the heat going. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I've just done is retold a Robin Hood men in tights joke. <laughs> 
I believe there is literally a joke where the thermostat's turned down on a fireplace. There are worse jokes. There are worse jokes. <laughs> Some of them have been in this podcast. Oh, I, I was talking about in Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's true. So, come to find out it's Bihan, a Chinese assassin from the Lin Kuei clan, come to kill Hanzo's family with his creepy ice powers. Hanzo's wife hides their infant daughter and then gets confronted. They're pretty good ice powers. You've got the cracking skin. And like... the, you know, the blood that, that sort of forms at the base of his uh, of the ice yeah. coming out of his palm. Because making ice come out of yourself, like, it'd probably sting a bit. Oh, yeah. So they really, I think it's a really good metaphor for, like, when you get your chapped hands. Yeah, do you think Sub-Zero moisturizes, like, all the fucking time? Has to. Right? Has to. And... He, he's got to do it in a very quiet room because if he's startled, then he's just got a block of moisturizer concrete on his fucking <laughs> hands. Oh, God. Hanzo comes running, uh, spilling the water that he collected. And, okay, these are big buckets. It's a lot of water. But, I mean, they're thick wooden buckets. He had to throw those to make them spill like that. Oh, yeah. 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 Unnecessary drama showing off yeah really uh finds his wife and son encased in ice outside the house brutal i mean really killed a kid yeah yeah real bad dude still if you're gonna get rid of a clan i suppose you got to uh, yeah i guess you have to but th now i remember in the aftermath of this movie feeling like they really wanted a a movie about sub-zero yeah and like this is the first five minutes he's Murdered a child. Yep. Okay. I mean, in fairness, did a good job of it. D definitely skilled. Which doesn't quite gel with later assassination attempts. No. Uh, the home is also surrounded by assassins. What Hanzo kills violently with the fighting, making use of the kunai that his wife had been troweling with by tying it to a rope. Yeah. Now I've got to say... Sub-Zero had to know that Hanzo would kick the shit out of them. You'd think. Was he sending them in for a joke? Because he did the wife and the kid, who I think the hench assassins would have been able to handle. It's like he got it the wrong way around. I think everyone who would, like, go with them on a mission somewhere would have to wonder if did I fuck up? Mm. <laughs> Did I fuck up and that's how I landed this assignment? I'm screwed. Yeah. He's just going to leave me to be killed by some guy. <laughs> oh. Uh, so Hanzo then finds Bihan sitting alone and they talk, sort of, because they don't speak the same language. And I like this a lot. That was nice. Yes. This is really good. Hanzo speaks Japanese. Bihan speaks Chinese. They can't communicate. And, but, you know, we're shown subtitles. Yeah. And they seem to be conversing or talking to each other. Mutual hatred knows no linguistic barriers. But Hanzo just is like, I can't, I can't understand a word you're saying, but. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, great. But I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to fuck yins up. Fighting does happen. Hanzo gets defeated. Yeah. And is left to die by Bihan. Hanzo hears the crying of his infant daughter and attempts to crawl back to his home, dying along the way, and his body gets encased in flame and disappears. Yeah. Could have been avoided if uh, Sub-Zero had checked. Yeah. Just re really does a number on the wife and kid, makes sure they are dead, because they ain't getting out of that. With the guy he's actually there specifically to kill, well, he's fallen over. <laughs> Job's done. Let's go home. Let's. Oh, wait, no, they all died. The lads are all dead because I sent them in first to go after the skilled warrior and not the family. It, he's got his priorities wrong. Yeah, this is bad. He had the wrong photo on top. These are the targets. Right, I'll deal with these. You get the husband. <laughs> that probably would have worked out a whole lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So big old clap of thunder and lightning. Raiden appears to collect the child and the kunai out of the back uh, that was left behind. I, I think it had been in... No, he pulls it out of his own back. It starts bleeding more before he crawls. Yeah, yeah. He had basically... He had a big... He didn't go to a doctor. The thing is, <laughs> he might have lived... 
But he ended up pulling that out. If instead of trying to go save his child, uh, he had left the knife in and gone to see a doctor, might have survived it. (laughs) He didn't have to yank it out. (laughs) Like, I think, like, pretty specifically in, like, I think they're designed so if you yank them out, you bleed a lot and die. Right? That's what the whole sort of, like, points at the back are for, right? Well... No, I, no, I don't think I don't think it's so much that um, that it's got the little claw. I, I don't think it's much of a hook thingy. It's not a hook, but like it's shaped so that when you pull it out, it's going to do plenty of damage on the outs because it's thicker at the base. If you get it all the way through, yeah, I suppose. Look how much he bled, Conrad. He did bleed a lot. He was no, bleeding no. a lot more it after was, he pulled it out. It was bad. The only the only other concern I'd have is like internal organ damage if you're like crawling around on the ground with that thing sticking in you you know that could slice up some shit might be the reason you'd pull it out but either way he 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 went the wrong direction he was crawling okay right he was doing all right then he pulls it out (laughs) then all of his blood ended up outside of himself and then he died i'm not saying if i got stabbed in the back with a kunai that i'd live longer leaving it in but I'd have phoned the doctor. I mean, he didn't even phone anyone. Call 911, mate. My family's been frozen. It's the first thing you do. They taught me this in school. If, if you find your family frozen, you call 911 yeah. immediately. If you left your wife digging bok choy while you went to get water and you come back and they've been frozen to fuckery, call 911. That's my advice to anyone. Don't go fucking with the Lin Kuei. That's that's advice number two. Number one, call nine one one. Number two, don't go fucking with the Lin Kuei. Okay, and and while we're at it, paramedics are fine, but don't talk to the fucking cops. Don't talk to the cops. Okay, so uh... <laughs> if Sonya turns up, you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Uh, titles appear on the screen and tells that Earth Realm's gonna fall to Outworld if it loses one more tournament. But there's a prophecy about Hanzo Hasashi's blood uniting Earth's champions that might inspire some hope, maybe. Okay, fine. Cut to the present. We meet Cole Young in a locker room. I spent the rest of the film thinking, what the fuck game was this one from? Right. What the fuck game was Cole Young from? I mean, I didn't think Cole Young. I paid no attention to the name. Cole is our point of view character who is new to the franchise. He's an MMA fighter and apparently he sucks. I mean, yeah. both just personality-wise and at being an MMA fighter. Yeah, like just overall, he sucks. He's just not interesting at all. Uh, he, he has a motivation, but nothing else. Which, to be honest, puts him in line with literally every character not called Kano. Yep. He's got a reason. Yep. He's the only guy available for this fight. That's going to happen. Uh, he's going to be backed up in his corner by his daughter because his wife no longer watches him fight. And we see why pretty quickly when he fights a guy named Ramirez and gets his ass handed to him. Cut to Outworld. Bihan, now Sub-Zero, meets with the sorcerer Shang Tsung, who instructs him to assassinate the champions of Earth Realm to ensure Outworld's victory in Mortal Kombat. Shang Tsung in this is fine. He's fine. Mm. He lives in a shithole. Does live in a shithole. This is something like, there's a weird decision with this film when it comes to set design or lack thereof. Oh, yeah. It mostly takes place in just an outcropping, just, just a bit of a desert and a bit of a cave. And then when it gets to Sonya's place, which is meant to be a junky shithole, I'm like, oh, it's actually well furnished. There are chairs. Not just a big one on a on Pride Rock. What is that throne room? It's got doors, but no walls or roof. <laughs> it's on the end of a fucking... It's on the end of one of those mountainous outcroppings to where, like, you expect it to slowly crack while Shang Tsung sat on the edge. Mm-hmm. And then for Shang Tsung to look at the camera, hold up a sign that says gulp, <laughs> and then just go... <laughs> like, it is, a, it is a fucking road runner clifftop and that's where he lives and sits and rules i know outworld is like not a great place to be but it had decor it does drive home why they want to conquer earth realm so bad i mean i does it because so far all they've seen of earth realm is some shitty caves well then again at least it's a roof 
and there are some beds. I was thinking, I was just sort of going over in my head all of the scenes in this film, and you got a forest, you got a gym, you got a locker room, you got a restaurant, you've got a warehouse that's probably just the gym again. I'm looking up Outworld. I'm looking up pictures of Outworld to make sure that I'm not making a fool of myself. It's... I mean, it is a lot of it is like that. I mean, it's a shithole. Yeah, it's meant to be a lifeless shithole, but there are buildings. Yeah, there were buildings in, in Outworld. There's a marketplace. Yeah. Its only appearance was in Mortal Kombat X. I'm worried it was just to sell microtransactions. Ooh. But there's a marketplace. <laughs> Outworld locations, right? The crypt, the sea of blood, Shang Tsung's flesh pits. Oh, come on. Who doesn't love a flesh pit? All right. Look at his fleshy pits. Khan's arena, Shang Tsung's courtyard, right? It is outdoors, but he's got a roof. It's actually quite pretty. Fucking, I'm pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a fortress. And, and, and he's living on an outcrop in a rock. Yeah. This is a film with a budget. There is a budget for this, yes. But every location is like the kind of location you'd see in a film without a budget. Cave, outside, woods. It's not an enormous budget by modern film standards. No, but enough. It's 55 million. Enough for a nice throne room. Yeah, you could throw together a nice throne room. for. If I had 55 million dollars, I could throw together a solid throne room. You know what? Give me $50,000. I'll throw together a good looking throne room. Yeah. Show me the marketplace. I tell you what, we filmed that in Dartford. We go to Dartford Market. <laughs> That'll do. You know, turn the, uh, put a bit of a, like a orangey, dusky uh, filter, mm -hmm. color filter on. There you go. Outworld Marketplace. Just hang out. Buy a sausage. After his fight, Cole sees Hanzo in the mirror from hell peering back at him. And then his daughter gives him a woven bracelet that matches one that she's made for herself. So this is that family shit. I get it. Your family's important to you. Here it is, folks. His reason. Then they're approached by a guy introducing himself as Jax and asking questions about a weird birthmark of a dragon that Cole has. So that's cool. Yep. Yep. Jax is, uh, I mean, Jax isn't any more or less interesting than Jax has ever been, I guess. I mean, I like him in Annihilation, but that's because he's ridiculous. This is, uh, meh. Even the bit of Outworld that's literally called the Wasteland has buildings and a beach. There's a beach in the Wastelands. That's... I kind of want to see that beach. I want to I see who hangs out at that beach. It's not a good beach. Mm. It's got a lot of corpses on it. Mm. But there's a ship and some nice little houses. I mean, the houses are on fire, but they're houses. Cole and his daughter meet back up with Cole's wife at a fast food joint. And as they're ordering food with Jax watching them from a car across the street, it starts to snow. But it's July. And so as the windows frost over, which I like the use of the ice effects whenever Sub-Zero shows up. Those are all pretty well done. I can see, you know, where most of the 55 million went. Couldn't just build a fucking throne room. No. They had a throne room in... in Fucking Armageddon? Of course they did. The great throne room. It's very impressive. They they shot from behind it, from behind the throne, and in front of the throne. Like a full, full fucking deal. It's a really good throne room. Specifically listed as things in Outworld. Sinister temples and shrines. Why not make your throne room inside one of the sinister temples and shrines? There are small villages. So Sub-Zero appears in the street, starts fucking shit up. Real subtle ninja shit. Um, then Jax pulls up and has Cole and Fam get inside to flee. And some driving happens while Jax reveals that he has the same mark that Cole does. And it means that they're both being targeted because they're meant to do some fighting somewhere. Sub-Zero gets ahead of them somehow. Um, we don't get to see him teleport yet, but teleportation's in play. So fuck it. Jax gives the car to Cole, taking a gun with him, and is like, I'm going to go deal with this ninja. You go run away. He gives him an address where he can find Sonya. Uh, fighting happens again. Sub-Zero wrecks Jack's gun with a freeze and smash, then beats the hell out of him. 
uh, ending with freezing his arms solid and tearing them off as the music swells to tell us how significant a narrative moment this is. This is also a significant moment, again, for Sub-Zero, because it is, again, demonstrating that he just won't finish the fucking job. Could have killed him. Just tears his arms off and leaves him there. Yep. In fairness, if I pull someone's arms off. Right. I am going to assume they're at least not a problem. Yeah, not a threat. But he is very... I mean, he's also in, like, Mortal Kombat land, so... Right? Probably just be careful. You manifest ice from your body. It stands to reason someone <laughs> could come back from having their arms ripped off. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just a... Yeah. Cole takes his family to a farmhouse somewhere and then tells his wife that he's going to go alone to meet with this Sonya. Back in Outworld... Melina informs Shang Tsung about Jax's defeat at the hands of Sub-Zero, a bit premature. He commands that they double their efforts, telling them to send in a reptilian and brushing aside her concerns that the Elder Gods might find out and punish them for breaking the rules of Mortal Kombat. So, all right. Yeah. Cole finds the address that Jax gave him for Sonya. It's some kind of boat graveyard. And after a brief assaulting when she finds him on her property, he shows her the symbol on his chest and tells her that Jax stayed behind. She takes him into her bunker, and there's all this intel that they've collected about the markings, which started out as a hobby for them seven years ago. And I guess you need hobbies when you're in special forces. You know, you need something to do in all that downtime. Uh, and so they have been researching this symbol after they met a guy with superhuman powers and the same marking, which transferred to Jax's body when he killed him. Yeah. Okay. I... I kind of like this. I, I don't know if this has been part of the lore in any way in Mortal Kombat prior to now, but I like its addition to it, at least in my understanding of Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I like the idea that some people just have this mark and when they die, it transfers to the person that they kill them. And none of these people are the sort of people who are going to die from old age. Mm -hmm. Because they most likely got the mark from killing somebody in combat. It's basically the Highlander. Yeah. And yeah, it, it works for me. <laughs> it's exactly the Highlander. Well, no, it's not quite because there isn't a reduction. Well, they, that didn't come with a, a nice mark. Well, and, and it's not just people with... It, it, it's actually significant because people without the mark proving themselves in... Mortal Kombat. Yes. And thereby gaining the, you know, invitation. I retract my statement that Mortal Kombat is exactly Highlander. Although both series had Christopher Lambert. They did. Oh. I miss him. Oh. I miss him in this. He doesn't have to play Raiden. The guy they got playing Raiden is Raiden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Raiden was out of, like, characters in Mortal Kombat. A serious, stoic, kind of dull Raiden. Yes. Raiden, rather. Tracks. Yeah. They, you know, the, the sort of silly, jokey Raiden from the first two films isn't the best depiction of that character. Yeah, I certainly don't think so. But at the same time, charming as hell in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this Raiden's solid. The, the character is a real dick. Oh, yeah. As we will, as we will see. So... They've figured out, Sonya and Jax, that this is this marks an invitation to compete in Mortal Kombat, and Sonya thinks another tournament is is coming. Yeah. And here's here's Kano, all chained up. Okay. Kano in Chanos. He's a mercenary who happened to kill another champion Sonya had been tracking down, and now he's got the marking. Mm -hmm. He's also really charming. Just delightful. Self-interested asshole Aussie. Yeah, I mean, it's like Suicide Squad. It's get the asshole Australian in, mm -hmm. and you've got yourself a, a, a good comic foil, I guess. Yep. We also learn Sonya doesn't have the marking, but before that can be expanded upon, there's an attack from an invisible enemy that fucks up Kano's face and is generally kicking ass, what with you know having invisibility and acid drool. And then here's Kano, like, what a badass he is. Using the, the acid drool to break his chains. Risky move. Risky move. Very lucky that that acid dropped from the ceiling in an exacting thin line. Mm -hmm. No mm -hmm. splashback. No. Just 
It's very thick. Very thick. Doesn't spread. Doesn't like eat its way like through what it touches. It just goes straight through, like the the hole in uh, Alien. Mm-hmm. Well, even then, that had spread. That's true. That had spread. Because it's acid. He was very lucky that he went under dripping liquid and didn't get wet. Because this was acid wet, which is the worst kind of wet to be. You really don't want that one. Uh, (laughs) As he's attempting to make his escape, he fights the invisible lizard a bit. And with what I expect was some post-production dialogue from Cole uh, suggesting this. He uses a flare to reveal the lizard thing. This just feels like... Bad. Yeah. Bad overdub. There's a bit more fighting, and then Kano rips the the still-beating heart from the lizard. So then back in Sonya's trailer, everybody plans their next move. Kano's finishing off her beer and says he's on his way out, but not before observing where Sonya plans to go next, Raiden's temple, which he just happens to have smuggled guns in the region of. Um, He very, very fairly, I think, refuses to help her. What with the being kidnapped and stabbed by her thing? Yeah. I get it. I, if I was kidnapped and handcuffed and left in, to be honest, the place with the best decor in the film so far. It, it is true. Yeah. I'd, I'd appreciate the furnishings, but be extra pissed I was forced to be on the floor. That's why I'd leave. I'd say this is the first chair I've seen all film and you made me sit on the floor. Fuck you. Not helping. Sonya does manage to convince him with a promise of $3 million to guide them to the temple, um, which she admits to Cole she doesn't have, but, you know, whatever. Oh, and 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 Kano spits on a garden gnome. Just a big old loogie into the ha- open hands of a garden gnome. Yeah, I mean, we say it spit, but once it lands into the hand of the gnome, it does have the consistency and coloration uh, of cum... It really does look like cum. And it's kind of better that way because the look on the gnome's face is he's just got this palm full of cum. Yeah. He's quite delightful. He seems startled by the cum in his I hands. Would be. <laughs> if I put my hand out like, oh, is it raining? And then just splat, I'd be like, oh, cum. <laughs> that's a shame. I always think that's a shame when, when cum happens. Right. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Wait a minute. No, it's not. Now it's, oh, why is this in my mouth? Why do I always suck on these thinking that there's going to be fun at the end? There's just an obligation. I've got to do something with this. They airdrop into a desert and start walking, but it's not clear Kano really knows where he's going and he's generally a pain in the ass. He goads Sonya into a short fighting happening, suggesting she could have her own mark if she'd just kill him, since she has the chance to do that here. But she's a heroic character and doesn't do that, so they strike off again. Eventually, they're found by Liu Kang. Yeah. He introduces himself with a fireball to Kano's belly, um, and then rather than explain this, it just urges them to follow him to a temple. Again, he's a fighter. I mean, at least the sort of ascetic, monk-like character he's supposed to be fits with his seriousness and sense of dedication like none of this is the fault of the performers i don't think no i don't think anybody gives bad performances no they're fine the the performers are fine it's the writing and the direction is just dull yeah it's just dry as i said before yeah i i just i want to make sure that it's clear that it's like I don't think they're the problem at all. Because every once in a while, they're given a little something to work with, and you can see they're trying to use that to elevate the film in some way. Uh, but most of the conversation is just, you know, boring. It's it, it's on the level of listening to people have conversations in meetings in Star Trek episodes. Yes. Where they're just delivering plot. And it's a more combat film. They delivered the plot in the bit of writing at the beginning. There's a tournament. Yep. Fuck shit up. That's it. As Liu Kang leaves them into the temple, he explains there's less than a month until the tournament begins. And inside, they see all these murals depicting the history of Mortal Kombat, including one of the death of Hanzo Hasashi, which causes Cole to have another vision. As Liu Kang's droning on about how hard they have to train to unlock their inner power or all is lost, Kano tries to 
you know, pickpocket or lift a medallion that Liu Kang then, you know, ends his, you know, rousing speech by telling him to return it. And so, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's uh, feels clumsy and unnecessary, but fine. They then take them to see an armless Jax who was rescued by Liu Kang after the fight by Sub-Zero. So great job, Sub-Zero. Fucked it up again. After this. There's a visit to Raiden, who takes turns to shit on each of them individually before basically just repeating the stakes for the second time in three minutes. Yeah, that's what's so frustrating. Is that there's nothing new being introduced here. We're not getting an opportunity to develop the characters. We're developing the plot. That's already completely established multiple times before now. I realize that they probably believe that attention spans are generally fairly short. Yeah. But this is ridiculous. It's completely not necessary. But Cole still wants to fight for his family because he has a reason. So they decide to begin training. Liu Kang's playing around with fire in his hands when he senses the arrival of Sub-Zero at the temple. The two of them exchange projectiles and fighting starts and then is interrupted by the arrival of Kung Lao. Shang Tsung and Melina are also here. And Raiden teleports in to confront all the baddies after a bit of back and forth where the champions of Earth get shit on even more. And to a certain extent, rightfully so, uh, this time by Shang Tsung, Raiden calls forth just the best dragon. I missed the dragon when I watched. Yeah. You sent me a screenshot. This was my, my one question when I'd asked Steph, did you watch Mortal Kombat yet? My follow-up was, what did you think of that dragon? And they, I thought it was fine. And I thought, no, no. But then you said, well, there was a justification for it. Yeah, because it's the dragon I saw is later in the film, and it's basically a fatality. Right. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But then the one you showed me was like Onyx from the Pokemons made of rubber. Yes. It's CGI, and it somehow looks like it's made of rubber. And, and there's no reason for it to exist it could have been completely excised you know written off as a loss say you know what this isn't working but it's fine because raiden's gonna hit the ground with his staff and then we can cut to the exterior of the temple and show the dome of lightning and it'll work it'll be fine but they didn't do that they included this one second cut of this dragon thing moving through space toward the camera, rotating slightly, just long enough for you to clock its presence. And I'm fascinated. This is a conscious choice to have this dragon here. And there's a reason for that choice. And I want to know the reason. I want to know so badly why this is here. Because my, my first thought is, like, somebody involved with the financing has a family member who's trying to get into special effects work. Mm -hmm. And they did the dragon. Yeah, yeah. Look, my cousin made this. Yeah. Can you slip it in just to, just to give him a boost? It's not very good, but they're trying. It's, it's the filmic equivalent of a drawing on the fridge. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it, it is... Bizarre, and and the the closest thing to a Mortal Kombat Armageddon move in this film. So I can't help but love it, but I don't understand it. I don't understand how it happens, other than. <laughs> uh, so this shield of lightning's put over the temple, preventing Shang Tsung from entering further. Liu Kang explains to everyone. Or all the good guys because the bad guys have left, that special powers come from an arcana, which must be discovered. And so they enter the training pit, but Liu Kang stops Sonya, saying she's not allowed in there because she doesn't have a mark and therefore can't access an arcana, which makes her a liability. Just rude. Yeah. So she goes to visit Jax, who wakes up to discover that now he has metal skeleton arms. Really shit ones, like emphasis on skeleton. Yes. They didn't think... Does this look silly when they were plonking him on him without his permission? He didn't ask for this. He's Adam Jensen. They look like rubbery T-800 arms. That's what they look like to me. 
Um, they have no, nothing about them makes you think that they would have any sort of force behind them. They would hurt because they're metal, maybe. Kind of rubbery, questionable. Uh, I will give them some credit for the um, upper body, the shoulder up shots. Yeah. The makeup that they have to show the little connection points and the one shoulder, you know, uh, all of that physical work. That's pretty good. I, I don't mind that. Some of the physical special effects in this are, are pretty good. The injury stuff, they found people who were good at that. Kano's, you know, when he first gets slashed up, that looks rough. I'm into that. But uh, but boy, those arms, the, the CG for those arms is is not, it's not good. It's not good. They look manky. I know, like, because of a thing later. Sure. They can't look as impressive. But they don't look that impressive because of the thing later, so... Well, I mean, yeah. But here it's like, if we're supposed to get, like, some emotional resonance and, like, oh, God, he's he's lost his arms and he doesn't want these metal ones, don't make them so noodly that all I can think of is noodle arms. <laughs> he's got noodles for arms. <sighs> it's... there. They're real sad. They've got amazing technology for people who just have a couple beds in a shit cave. Well, they can trans-dimensionally travel. They can't trans-dimensionally decorate. <laughs> no. Apparently, Apparently not. not. Everyone lives in a shithole. <laughs> just put a mural up. Uh, well, they do have that one room full of murals. Why are they all in that room? Can't you spread them around a little spread bit? Spread them around. Get a, get a lamp. <laughs> nice little lampshade on it, right? Uh, an ottoman armchair. And instead, all there is is just like a pulsating pinball bumper in the middle of the room. <laughs> <laughs> so Liu Kang says it's time to test their might, you know, from the video game. And fighting happens between Kung Lao and Cole. Cole does what he does best, which is getting his ass kicked. And then it's Kano's turn to fight Liu Kang. Who cheeses sweep kicks, you know, from the video game. This is probably my favorite video game, you know, Mortal Kombat video game reference in this. And it is absolutely a reference because it's the only thing that Liu Kang does in this fight is sweep kick, let Kano get back up and sweep kick again. Yeah. And it's great. I love it. Does it three times to drive the joke home. Perfect. And, you know, and, and it's one of those things to where like, it's still entertaining if you are inexplicably somebody who wound up watching this not knowing Mortal Kombat well enough to, like, know that Liu Kang sweep kicks. Because I can't imagine yeah. making it this far in this movie <laughs> without that investment on some level. After this training session, Liu Kang stitches up Cole and we get his backstory as an orphan brought in by an academy where he met Kung Lao and later Raiden. And... He eventually gets his mark by killing someone that was involved in child trafficking that had one. And I, I do think it it's, again, this narrative device is really good for explaining how Earth's champions may not necessarily be morally just or good people. Yeah. You know? It's depth. Yes. And I do, I do appreciate that. And, it, and I, I like that it... It speaks to an idea that this is sort of beyond all of that. The petty mortal concerns over morality are secondary to this intergalactic multidimensional conflict. Mm -hmm. It properly sets what stakes are in this universe, which I think is unusual in video game movies. So I do appreciate it. Training happens again. Now it's Cole getting beat up by Kung Lao again. Yay. Meanwhile, Sonya's trying to help Jax get acclimated to the robot arms, but he's weak and useless. And Sonya gives a speech about how she wouldn't be in the special forces if he hadn't pushed her the way she's going to push him now. And I don't know that it's comparable. Dude just lost his arms. You're having trouble with boot camp. Yeah, that was a real insensitive moment from Sonya. Right? Yeah, like, I know how you feel. I once had a bag of Skittles, and I <laughs> I picked them up off the table. I held them the wrong way around. All the Skittles went on the floor. Like, in a way, that's the losing arms of spilling your candies. You know, but what did you tell me? You told me, hey, it's just Skittles. 
bootstraps. Come on. <laughs> Suck it up, soldier. I think she does do yeah. a thing like that in yeah. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they join the others for dinner. Kano proceeds to be a dick to everyone in what is possibly the most entertaining of these dialogue only scenes in the entire movie. Uh, because Kung Lao gets to slap back a little bit. And then Liu Kang joins in and mercilessly roasting him. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, and this is this enrages Kano into unlocking the laser eye that was in him all along. So there we go. And he's so excited about getting his laser eye. <laughs> I mean, really? I would be too. Right. If I got a laser eye, I'd be like, holy shit. I'd message everyone on Facebook Messenger, Conrad. And I'd say, hey, check it out, Conrad. I've got a laser eye. You better not say word fucking one to me. <laughs> uh, so now it's Kano's turn to beat up Cole for a bit, but it doesn't help. So Cole throws a pity party for himself. And as he's looking at a photo of his family, Sonia approaches him. And it's just like loser patrol, I guess, over here. And then they're joined by Raiden, who again shits on Cole for not having found his arcana yet. No. And reveals that... Cole's the descendant of Hanzo Hasashi, and that's why he was born with the mark. Unlike the others who had to acquire theirs through the act of murder. So, you know, now he's got privilege to deal with. Raiden raised the last child of Hasashi, and the mark's passed down through the lineage. Now, I think Raiden needs to bear some responsibility here. Like, how did he fail to raise that child to make sure that, you know, the lineage was kept strong? I think this is all Raiden's fault, but, yeah, you know... Thunder God doesn't believe Cole has what it takes. That's that's the bottom line. It opens up a portal back to the farmhouse where the families wait. And then in Outworld, Shang Tsung introduces us to Cabal, General Reiko, and Natara, a winged assassin that they make a big fucking deal out of what a badass she is. Hold on to that. He tells them that it's time to deal with the champions before the tournament can start. Cabal has a history with Kano and suggests that they might be able to get them to bring down the lightning shield and let them in. And then we see the shadow of Goro. Ooh. Big beefy. Beefy beef. Beef beef. Come on, beef beef. Goro's beefy. Mm-hmm. And a cartoon. Totally. Not a very good one. No. Cabal heads to the temple, parlays with Kano, suggesting he'll get a better deal from Shang Tsung. Cabal looks shit. <laughs> I like Cabal in... in I think it's cute. I would say Cabal looks cute. Yeah. He looks like a kid put together, a, you know, like a little thing of cardboard spray painted it gray. Yeah. And put it on what to go play. And he's then putting on that lovely little accent, you know. Yeah. <laughs> gruff. Gangsterial. At the farmhouse, there's a crashing noise in the barn. Cole goes to investigate and that creepy teleporting smoke starts pouring out of it. Kano takes down the barrier of the temple and smoke starts popping up at the training pit too. Shang Tsung comes out with his crew saying the prophecy's being undone as we cut back to Goro stepping out of the barn at the farm. Cole proceeds to get the ever-loving crap beat out of him by Goro with wet thuddy punches while the rest of Earth's champions are likewise being beaten senseless by the outworld goons. There's so much cutting back and forth in this. Oh my god. Dizzying. Melina gets Sonya dead to rights, but observes that her blood doesn't even doesn't have the power of a champion and deems her to be worthless. I mean, holy shit. The judginess, the judginess for anyone who hasn't murdered somebody. Right. Is really palpable. And let's be honest, Sonya Blade was in the special forces. She's murdered people. Pretty badass. Right. If you could say she could have murdered many people with the mark by now and chose not to. And maybe that's real strength. Huh? How about that, Melina? The real strength is not doing a Highlander. Kano, previously mentioned, has no standards. So he just picks up Sonya and tosses her next to Jax's body and attempts to bury them both under rubble with his laser eye. Now, Natara, remember Natara? The winged badass assassin I mentioned just like a minute and a half ago that they went on and on about how cool they are. They're ordered to attack Kung Lao, who then basically effortlessly kills her by hopping onto her back and then riding her into his spinning hat blade. And then he says flawless victory, you know, from the game. Goro's about to kill Cole 
when his wife grabs an axe, gets Goro good in the side, and then she retreats to the pickup truck with their daughter and tries to ram him with the truck to no effect. And as the four-armed fuck is pulling the ladies from the truck, which I just like the way that that rolled off the tongue, Cole's eye goes all orange and woven armor appears over his chest. And it turns out getting the shit kicked out of him actually is his superpower. Because what he does is collect kinetic force of attacks and uses it as energy for his own attacks and uses it to make arm blades for himself. Because weapons are back in Mortal Kombat, baby! We got him! Smacky, smacky, bang, bang! And he uses one of them to cut off one of Goro's hands before gutting him and impaling his head. Hell yeah. Cool. Cool beans. Cool Christmas. Jax comes to, discovers that a boulder's pinning Sonya down, and struggling to lift it off her and unable to find any help from anyone, he digs deep within himself, and his metal arms get bigger. Goro's a shit cartoon. Magic metal arms. They're big. Bigger. They're bigger. And they, they seem to like be, like parts of them seem to float around on the frame. Yeah. <laughs> the cartoon arms. Again, I don't feel like they'd be very effective relative to the force that, you know, you'd be putting forth in them. I don't think, they don't seem like they're helping as muscle. I feel like they push the rest of your back anyway. Yeah. But that's, let's not get bogged down into the physics of Mortal Kombat. Well, look, they wanted to ground this. Yeah. They're making me think in these terms. I mean, out of everyone's powers, he does just get his arms back. That's true. I mean, that's like video game publishers like pushing the the envelope and then scaling it a bit and saying, look what reward you got. <laughs> we just gave this to you in a simple microtransaction, not in a loot box. Look how rewarded you are. Fuck's sake. He, he got conned. Raiden then opens another portal for Cole to return through. And Raiden thanks Shang Tsung for his assistance in helping Cole find his arcana. Also revealing to Sub-Zero that this is Hanzo's descendant before teleporting himself and the champions to safety. Well, almost. Because before Cole can go, Sub-Zero knocks him out of the little teleportation portal thing. And so then Kung Lao teleports in to assist. But he gets grabbed by Shang Tsung and his soul is devoured before Liu Kang's helpless eyes. And then, you know, they're teleported out. And now they're in a void where Shang Tsung can't reach them. Why weren't they in the void before? If all of these people were at such... Why are we not training in the void? I don't understand. Liu Kang mourns Kung Lao's death, says all is lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raiden apparently wasn't allowed to intervene, despite like intervening all the fucking time. Right? He's always getting involved. Intervention is the plot demands. Right? Cole refuses to believe there's no hope, because he has a reason. And Raiden gives him Hanzo's kunai, saying that it has power. And so Cole devises a plan to split the enemies up and take them on individually, having Raiden teleport everyone to different places for one-on-one fightings. Like the Mortal Kombat. Jax gets General Reiko, Sonya is paired with Kano, and Liu Kang and Cole are going to fight Melina and Cabal, which doesn't fit the plan. They've just discarded it. And uh, the other question I have is, how does he know everyone's names? Cole has not really interacted with any of these people. How does he know their names? Once they're all dealt with, everyone's going to gang up on Sub-Zero. And fightings happen. Jax crushes Reiko's head between his metal fists on a narrow bridge in Outworld because that's what the architecture is in Outworld, I guess. Uh, after a brawl through the trailer, Sonya stabs Kano's eye out with the garden gnome that he'd spit on earlier and gets her own marking. So that's cool. Liu Kang kicks Cabal into a tar pit and roasts him with a big old flame dragon. Melina finally smiles, it's underwhelming, and gets killed by plasma blasts from Sonya, who appears just as Cole is about to possibly be defeated by her. So, fun. Back at the farmhouse. Oh, it's nice to be back at the farmhouse. Right? Where there are chairs and walls. Back at a pastoral setting where people could grow things like bok choy. <laughs> Cole's wife is packing up to leave when Sub-Zero shows up. <gasps> Then teleports to Cole, shows him the woven bracelet to lure Cole alone into the gym where they, he had been fighting at the beginning of the film, but now it's all covered in ice. Impaled by an ice spike and facing death in this fightings, Cole pulls out Hanzo's kunai and stabs Sub-Zero, who recognizes it just in time for another one to hit him in the back, 
And we finally get some motherfucking Mortal Kombat music up in this bitch. Dun, 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 at last. It has been like an hour and 15 minutes. It's all we want. Yeah. The film knows it. It it knew what we wanted. It was like, ah, soon. Soon, my tricksy wixy friends. And then it does hit us with it. It's a little orchestral version of it. It's all right. It's not bad. Yeah. It's It's not bad. Yeah. So it's Hanzo, now Scorpion, risen from hell to avenge his death. Fighting happens between the two while Cole tries to free his family from the ice that they're encased in every so often. They're not dead. They're not dead. This family isn't dead. This American family isn't dead. Hmm. Strange. Hmm. You see, the ice killed one family, but this American family is fine. Well, vaccines have come a long way. That's true. Probably on that finds the shit. <laughs> so Scorpion sees Cole trying to free his family. He recalls witnessing his own frozen family. Oh my gosh, it's like it's like we've come full circle. We didn't have to. No. This feels like a screenwriter jerking off. Would have been a good film. I'd watch that. I would watch that. I would watch a movie about a writer trying to write the script for Mortal Kombat and then realizing that they could put this you know, mirrored scenario and just busting all over the screen. Yeah. And then it shorts out the monitor. And then it hits a gnome. It starts a fire in their apartment and they can't escape because they came all over the the door earlier and it's sealed up. A slippy hand. Like they're trying to twist the doorknob, but the hand keeps slipping. Oh God, there's so much semen. (laughs) (laughs) You've got Kano on the floor with his handcuffs. (laughs) <laughs> underneath the semen just going oh shit this is an acid it's semen <laughs> Mortal Kombat is a film I would so watch if only there were more semen in it exactly I mean I think that of everything if only there was more semen in it or on it sometimes I wonder why things that we produce aren't more popular well I've been told it's too political mm, mm. I was wondering if it was the semen <laughs> <sighs> Scorpion teams up with Cole. They do more fightings with the Sub-Zero. Grievously wounded, Sub-Zero removes his mask and shown that he hasn't aged a fucking day. I, I better look that good when I'm 400. Holy shit. You know what I bet it is? What's that? Cryo. It's cryo. He's been getting cryo treatments. That's why he looks so good. <laughs> nice one. Cole rescues his family. Sub-Zero gets burned to a crisp by the fires of hell from Scorpion's mouth. Bit of a skeleton mouth happens, just as a concession. Yeah, a bit of skeleton mouth. To those of us who wanted to see a badass skull. Yeah, I wanted full skull. I didn't get to see that. I want to see someone go full skull, and I didn't. Got to rely on the first film for everything. Burn away the whole head. That's fine. You know, don't you, you but no, just this little like, oh, we're going to burn a little bit the mouth, and it's going to stop, you know, like he's the fucking Joker or something. Yeah. Ridiculous. Raiden and the other champions show up. He's all impressed. And Cole gives him shit for having gotten involved. And Shang Tsung appears, says it's not over. Death's another portal. Blah, blah, blah. All the corpses teleport out. Uh, Raiden teleports him back to Outworld. And then tells the team that the fight has to go on. They'll have to find some new champions, which then cut to Cole back at the gym, which is now not frozen over. And he tells the old trainer that he's going to go to Hollywood. And we're teased the arrival of one Johnny Cage on a movie poster. And everyone goes, oh, shit, that's Johnny Cage from the Mortal Kombat series of games. And that's it. That's almost as iconic as Cole. (laughs) So, did you like it or not? It's fine. It's all right. It's inoffensive. Yeah, I can't be offended by this because there's not, not anything to get offended by. It's a competent production, not a good one. The fighting... I do not like. And I normally don't care that much about fighting, but I actively dislike this. It's from this school of video game films in the post-video games are legitimate art period that we're in that now we have to take these seriously and it doesn't work because they're not good enough content on their own to reach beyond the mechanics of gameplay that keep people invested in them. Most of these classic franchises are that way. Mm-hmm. And so if you won't lean into fun, when you make it po-faced and serious like this, you wind up with your Warcrafts, your Assassin's Creeds, 
your Mortal Kombat 2021. Yeah, and like we're in the we're we're post MCU. Like I thought we'd already litigated this and decided that it is good to be silly and and just ape source material and think fuck it. Well, no, but this is Warner Brothers. Ah, yes. You know, therefore it must be dire and rubbish. Warner Brothers is a shitty fucking company as well, mm-hmm. and they they're happy to profit off J.K. Rowling as well. Like, pricks you brought up the marvel universe and it's completely at because this is dc universe shit right yeah absolutely you know and and it's not even dc universe you could laugh at because it's over the top there's nothing over the top here at all this is the dark cinematic universe Oh, welcome, traveler, to the dark cinematic universe. Oh, shit, there's Van Helsing. I hope a Dr. Jekyll doesn't turn up. That's how I always... I never bothered to watch The Mummy, but I like to imagine that's how it went. Mrs. Frankenstein, something, something bride. It just came to my attention again, actually, because apparently Wikipedia has decided to remove the page that was for the Dark Cinematic Universe. <laughs> it was such a not thing. And it now redirects to um, the classic monsters, whatever they call that, grouping right. of, of classic film monsters. What was so funny is those films were practically a cinematic universe already. They just... It was like that person who like reinvented the bus and was like, just put it on an app and then it's new. Abbott and Costello met Frankenstein, the Wolfman and the Mummy. Exactly. Abbott and Costello is the key to all of this. <laughs> so, yeah, I. it's unfortunate, I guess, is the way I feel about this. It's disappointing that this is continuing to be the trend. I hate to say that I'm actually on some level looking forward to our next film. <gasps> And seeing Paul again, and maybe feeling a little bit of that first Mortal Kombat magic again. Yeah. You know? something stupid. Right. I wanted this to be stupid. I like stupid. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. No. That's Mortal Kombat 2021. What are we doing next, Jim? Monster Hunter, of course. Yes. Of course. Of course. Of course, Monster Hunter. A series that has always been about Demilitary going to fight the dinosaurs with guns. I can't wait. It's going to be so ridiculous. I hope it is. Having no emotional attachment whatsoever and very, very limited experience with Monster Monster Hunter. I almost said Monster Rancher because that's what naturally my brain follows the word monster with in the context of video games. Monster Rancher. I love Monster Rancher. I have... No interest in Monster Hunter, so I'm ready to come into this feeling fresh and seeing some fucking nonsense. I'm ready for it. So that'll be next time. Next time. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. That'll do. Yeah. Conrad, where can people stuff think? Uh, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, at Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com, audiobooks at conradreads.com, or just, you know, like, come hang out with me on Twitch. I stream four days a week at a variety of times. There's probably one that works for you. Um, Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. All right. Yeah. And you know who I am. Um, uh, Yeah. Bye. Bye. Monster Hunter.